Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. And welcome in to another episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. This is your host for the evening, Matthew Betts, and unfortunately, I am not joined by Matt Okada tonight. Obviously, if, if you're a loyal listener, you normally hear me introduce myself and then Okada, and we chat for a few minutes, and it's a very fun time. But unfortunately, Okada is not with me tonight. He's got some stuff going on, so he's a little busy and tied up. And rather than canceling our podcast, I wanted to at least get you all some solid information for your week five matchup uh, here moving forward, some start sits, some injury updates, that sort of thing. So you probably won't have as much of a lengthy podcast to listen to here, maybe 30 to 40 minutes um, of kind of my favorite plays of the week. And again, looking at the most important injury updates uh, to fill you in on that. So no Okada tonight, solo podcast, but Okada and I have agreed that since we couldn't do our normal, usually weekly preview pod for you all, we're going to do a longer Patreon podcast. And uh, those podcasts generally are 20 to 30 minutes and they're a little bit shorter a little more uh, lighthearted, but this week we want to get back together and get on the mic and, and give you a full a full week preview. So it's going to be a longer episode. We'll probably drop that on Friday evening or Saturday morning, and that is uh, one thing that is an exclusive you know uh, part of what we offer over at Patreon.com/slash/RedShirtsPod. With that, you get this extra podcast per week. You're going to get access to our Slack channel where. You literally can ask Okada and I start sit questions, um, talk football, talk trades, whatever you want. We are there for you uh, whenever we're awake and available, I guess, to answer uh, answer your questions. So we're there to chat. Um, you get entered into our listener league drawing, amongst other things. So check it out, patreon.com slash redshirtspod. Uh, without further ado, let's get over into some of the injury news for this week. All right, so with these injury updates, I'm just going to preface this and say uh, I don't want to talk about all of them tonight because, A, I'm recording this on Wednesday. There's not a lot of exciting updates going on. I'll talk about a few of them in the future uh, for tonight's podcast with the starts of the week and some of the sits, but if you missed any of the injury recap or any of the news that I shared in regards to my prognosis for these players coming off of injury, go back, check it out. Uh, That is going to be our last episode that I recorded, which is episode 81, uh, looking at the recap from week four's injuries. Everyone from guys like Christian Kirk to uh, Gardner Minshew to uh, Mitchell Trubisky. So you name it, all those players are on there and more. Check that out uh, for those updates. But more recent updates are coming out now in regards to Sam Darnold. So I want to highlight his situation. Obviously, he's missed the last couple of games uh, dealing with a, uh, a sickness, mononucleosis. So mono is a condition that really does like zap your energy completely. It also is a condition that causes you to have an enlarged spleen. And so you may have seen the news come out today that Sam Darnold is going to practice, and he did, but there's a caveat and that is that it's non-contact. So he's not really doing everything he normally would do. He's still, you know, in that non-contact Jersey. And that's because of the concern for the enlarged spleen. If, if he would take a hit to the, the midsection and to the spleen, it could have some serious like long-term health issues there. So all that to say is 
he's back. He's doing more football activities, but I really don't think we'll see him this week against the Eagles. I think a week six return is much more likely. And the other thing to consider is, you know, he's not really in football shape. So it'll take time to really get him back to full strength. I think week six is when we see Darnold back on the field for a much needed boost into that offense, uh, which they've been really, really struggling over the last few weeks. Next update on the list, AJ Green and, and Monday night, you may have been very excited to see AJ Green in pregame warmups doing a workout on his own. He was in a speed ladder or an agility ladder, we call it, and he was kind of doing some light shuffling in and out and some kind of jab steps into the boxes and out of the boxes. So it's good that he's starting to at least put some lateral stress on his ankle. That's a, a great sign as far as his encouragement for getting back out there. But, you know, word of caution to everyone, he's nowhere close. He's still at least probably three to four weeks away. And at this point, you have to wonder, like, for AJ Green, what's the motivation to get back out there? If this team was looking at a, a 4 0 start or a 3 1 or, you know, what have you, there would be much more of an emphasis to get AJ Green back on the field. But he's not under contract in 2020. So he's not only thinking about his health this year, he's thinking about his health next year. I would be shocked if he pushed it before week eight, week nine. Like, I think it's going to be a couple of weeks before we see AJ Green. The last piece of the puzzle there, too, you know, is that the cartilage um, in the ankle, I, I think, was affected in some sort of way because he had that ankle scope, that surgery in early August. And whenever that happens, that kind of clues me in that there's probably some sort of cartilage injury that they addressed. That takes a long time to get back to the impact forces that football put on your joints. So being able to start and stop on a dime, stick your foot in the turf and go change direction, jump, all that sort of stuff. So the bottom line here is don't get too excited with AJ Green. I think he's still a few weeks away. Next update, a guy that I think is going to return sooner than I thought he would originally, Saquon Barkley was seen today uh, at practice doing some individual drills, cutting, running, and actually looked pretty good doing it. So uh, the bottom line here is that Saquon Barkley is not a human being. Uh, This is definitely accelerating the recovery of what I thought he would. He came out and said he's going to crush his rehab and and crush that timeline. And it turns out he actually is going to do that. So I would expect Saquon Barkley probably back in about two weeks. Remember, it was given a a projected recovery timeline of about four to eight weeks. I think we can absolutely throw six to eight weeks out the window. I think about week four out from injury, uh, which would put him a few weeks away from from this week, is the, the target. The news is saying he might try to play, not this week. He's definitely going to be out next week, but that's a Thursday night football game against the Patriots. To me, it just makes sense. You know, this is your franchise player. Why play him on a short week when you have an extra 10 days after that to get him right and get him healthy? So I don't think we see him, obviously, this week. I don't think we see him next week. I think you see him in week seven. That is my projection. So uh, if you're a Saquon Barkley owner, good news there. A couple of newer injuries that came out uh, either in the Monday Night Football game after I recorded my my previous episode or uh, new updates in the last few days. The first one, James Conner, obviously dealing with now an ankle injury. You could see he kind of got rolled up on there with a, a defender kind of on a tackle. They're calling it a mild ankle sprain. Conner's coming out and he's adamant he's going to play this week, and I do think he will. But you have to question whether or not that opens the door a little bit for Jalen Samuels, who, in my opinion, Looked explosive and looked fantastic um, on Monday Night Football this past week. But regardless, Connor did not practice today. 
monitor those practice reports as the week goes by. I would not be shocked to see him limited on Thursday, potentially a full practice on Friday, and then, of course, that would give him that full availability to play this coming week. But like I said, monitor, we'll see. I do think he plays. Also from Monday Night Football, John Ross, late in the game, came down on his right shoulder. He's dealing with a Tyreek Hill type of injury, meaning it is a sternoclavicular or SC joint injury. Now, this is not quite as severe as Tyreek Hill. If you remember, he was sent to the hospital because there's a concern whenever that clavicle or your collarbone goes backwards or dislocates backwards towards uh, kind of your throat, there's a lot of really important blood vessels there. And if that clavicle hits those, you're looking at a medical emergency. So that's why he went to the hospital. For John Ross, that's not the case. He's dealing with a, an injury to that joint, but not quite as severe as Tyreek Hill. There was a report coming out today saying that you know they expect maybe a four to six week recovery timeline, but they don't want to be rushing him back out there. Uh, so they put him on IR. So that means he's not going to be on the field for at least eight weeks. I think that tells you where this franchise is headed as far as what they think about this season. Obviously, a, a terrible start. They're not going to make the playoffs. Why rush John Ross back out there when you're not really playing for this year? You're definitely playing uh, for next year and beyond. All right, everyone. So that re- recaps, I think, the injuries for the week and for uh, up to date on Wednesday. Like I said, a ton more to get to that I highlighted in my last podcast. So check it out, episode 81. And then also be on the lookout. I drop my injury preview article uh, every Saturday morning over on redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. Honestly, I try to make that thing as comprehensive as possible so that you have all of your question marks answered heading into the week. And I'll tell you, you know, what players are, are questionable, doubtful, or already ruled out why they're rolled out, and maybe how long they could take to get back. So uh, please check it out. Definitely try to put a lot of work into it to make you, the fantasy owner, as knowledgeable uh, as possible. So be sure to check that one out. Let's get over into my favorite players here, my starts of the week. But before I do, I just want to remind everyone about one of our sponsors. We haven't talked about it recently, but man, I've been playing some DFS this year. And I'll tell you what, guys, it has been so fun on Sundays, setting a lineup, or eight or ten, uh, and watching, you know, your guys perform and, and watching your your bankroll build up a little bit each week. So I've been playing, I've been making some money using the Fantasy Footballers DFS Pass, and it's been fantastic. We are really excited to partner with them. So head on over to uh, redshirtsudk.com. We we partnered with them for the Ultimate Draft Kit. Same URL, redshirtsudk.com. That'll take you right to the DFS page. And with our code REDSHIRTS, you can get 10% off. They have everything you need, guys, for DFS. They have their their top cash game picks, um, GPP picks or tournament plays. Our friend Ben Cummins highlights the uh, the primetime slate. So you name it, they have it. Head on over for a full breakdown on the, the entire game slate. Head on over, redshirtsudk.com. Start making some money and save some money with the code REDSHIRTS for 10% off your order today. All right, everyone. So my favorite players here, starts of the week. Normally, Okada and I go back and forth, and we each give you one player at at each position, quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, and defense. But for tonight, I'm going to hit you with just my favorite plays that are probably not quite as obvious um, at those positions. And then hopefully on our our Patreon pod, we can get Okada's thoughts on maybe his favorite players for the week. Uh, But for me, let's let's start at quarterback. I think this is going to make Okada happy when he hears this and listens back. 
I'm going Tom Brady, TB12 at Washington. Uh, listen, the matchup is fantastic. I don't think we need to really go into a lot of detail here about Washington, but a few stats I pulled. They're giving up uh, almost 21 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks, fourth most uh, in the league, which is obviously fantastic for Brady and his passing weapons. Josh Norman and Quentin Dunbar, their two starting cornerbacks, have looked atrocious, um, really giving it up through the air. Opposing wide receivers are doing fantastic, so I also like this matchup for Brady's pass-catching core, including Josh Gordon. Um, the defense is giving up 3.8 touchdowns per game, second worst, otherwise known as 31st best in the league out of 32 teams. So you're looking at a, a situation where Brady could easily go for you know 280 to 303. I think he's a fantastic play this week. I've gotten him in a few places, and I'm really excited to start him. Start Tom Brady at Washington. On to the running back position, and this is a, a situation where we do have to talk a little bit about some injury news, and this is all because my start of the week, I'm pulling an Okada here where where he cheats and just kind of gives you a full, uh, full team position. I'm going Colts starting running back at the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, normally that would be Mr. Marlon Mack, who's looked fantastic this year, but he is dealing with a bit of an ankle sprain. And, and, you know, that's it's all minor at this point. It seems to be minor, but, of course, that could be coach speak. So we need to monitor the practice reports and see really what happens. After the game this past Sunday, uh, the coaching staff came out saying that they didn't pull Mack out of the game uh, because of a calf injury or an ankle injury. They said it was more performance-based, which I don't buy at all, meaning Marlon Mack's been crushing this season. Why would you take him out um, You know, if he is, is fully healthy? So I think there is something to this. We definitely need to monitor it. He did not practice today on Wednesday. I project him to get in some limited work as, as the week goes on. Let's not forget, just uh, two weeks ago, he was dealing with a calf injury, and I was worried about Mac. I thought it was going to be a really risky play because we know how these soft tissue injuries can behave. But he came out and got 16 touches in that game. So he's not a guy that I think this offensive staff and this coaching staff really needs to see practice a lot to have him play. So uh, even if he's limited uh, on Friday, I do think he suits up and plays. But if not, if you're relying on him, just a forewarning, they do play on Sunday Night Football against the Kansas City Chiefs. So if you're relying on Mac, it may not be the worst idea in the world to see if Naheem Hines is still on, on waivers. Also check out Jordan Wilkins for sure. But the reason I love Marlon Mack in this matchup is I think the Lions last week showed us the blueprint on how to control Patrick Mahomes. And that is simple. Run the ball a ton. Last week, carry on Johnson, 26 rush attempts and crushed it. 125 yards. So close to a touchdown. If you all watched the game, you saw him kind of lunge backwards and was in a pile at the one-yard line, lost the fumble, and you know the Chiefs ended up recovering it and scoring a touchdown on the play. But all that to say is he still was really, really effective, got a ton of work. Workhorse backs have been effective against this defense. You can run on the Chiefs. Leonard Fournette, 13 for 66. Josh Jacobs, 12 for 99. He would have had an even bigger game if he hadn't gotten injured, so uh, that could have been more. Mark Ingram, Okada start of the week uh, two weeks ago, 103 rush yards and three rushing touchdowns. So this is how you beat the Chiefs. This is how you control that opposing offense in Patrick Mahomes. So I think it's another big workload for Marlon Mack. Uh, he's been looking fantastic this season. You can start him with confidence. 
going up against a defense in Kansas City that's given up the 12, uh, excuse me, the 10th most fantasy points to running backs, almost 150 yards per game on the ground. Uh, so yeah, you gotta love that. And if Max healthy, I'm definitely rolling him out there with confidence. On to my wide receiver start of the week, and this one might surprise you guys. If you're familiar with me, you know I'm not a Will Fuller fan, but he is going to smash this week, and I will be playing him a lot in my DFS lineups using the DFS pass from the fantasy footballers. Again, code redshirt, save yourself 10%. But Will Fuller, I mean, this is recipe for success. Here is what I love about the matchup. So obviously, you can look on the surface and say, okay, they're giving up, this is Atlanta, by the way, giving up 13, uh, 13th most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. So you've got to like that. It's a pretty good matchup. But the other thing is, look what happened last week. Marcus Mariota, Corey Davis, and A.J. Brown, yes, you, you heard that correctly, hung it up on the Atlanta defense. Davis and Brown both found the end zone. Mariota threw, threw for three touchdowns, and to be honest with you, I can't remember the last time he even did that. So if they're giving up that to that offense, uh, an offense that wants to run the ball, you now get Deshaun Watson and two of the best uh, you know, tandem receivers in the game in uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. I think it's going to be a perfect matchup. Obviously, without Keanu Neal, that secondary is looking a little bit questionable. But the last piece of the puzzle here, and this is more anecdotal, I mean, you just look at what Deshaun Watson did last week. It was a pretty atrocious performance in my opinion, but he was so frustrated at himself that he stayed out on the field for three or four hours, kind of running through the plays and and trying to get right, working with the quarterback's coach. So this guy is angry, mad, and motivated to come back and really put on a performance this week. And I think he does it against Atlanta. You look at the the opportunity for Will Fuller, no Kenny Stills. He's going to miss this game with the hamstring strain. And Will Fuller is 12th in the NFL at the wide receiver position in air yards. So basically that metric looks at how far down the field do these players get targeted. It's a very predictive stat in fantasy, meaning if you're high in air yards, you generally have a a pretty good performance in terms of fantasy on the season. He's 12th in the NFL, which is fantastic. His average depth of target is 17.3 yards. So, you know, he's getting the ball deep. Deshaun Watson is looking for him deep. But they haven't converted on that. And and there's a metric on airyards.com looking at uh, the air yard conversion rate. And and really what that looks at is, okay, if you have this number of of yards down the field, how often do you actually catch the ball and convert on those air yards? He's looking at a 46% conversion rate, which when you look at other players around him is atrocious. So far uh, down the pole that I, I can't even, you know, fathom how that's really happening with him because of the opportunity he's getting. So what Will Fuller, for me, is a player that um, people are down on. They're frustrated because he hasn't found the end zone. You know, he and Deshaun Watson haven't really had that connection that they've had in, in past seasons yet. But this, to me, is a get-right game. I am definitely rolling out Will Fuller with confidence uh, this week, and I think you should too. Moving on to my tight end start of the week, I'm looking at, at Jimmy Graham this week, and uh, it's usually a situation where I shy away from Jimmy Graham because of the fact that you know he's an older tight end and he's not really moving as, as well as he used to, and obviously his performance hasn't been what it used to be during his, his prime years. But the biggest piece of this puzzle for me with Jimmy Graham is you know, he goes up against Dallas. They're giving up the 10th most fantasy points to the tight end position. So it's really not a scary matchup. 
But the the real factor here is Devontae Adams. Obviously, he's dealing with that turf toe injury. I talked about it on Monday's episode where it's going to be a multi-week absence for Devontae Adams. So he certainly won't play this week. He didn't practice today. I, I doubt he practices at all this week while he continues to rehab. But what that does for this offense, obviously that's Aaron Rodgers' guy. He gets nine targets a game or about 26% of Aaron Rodgers' targets. And, uh, you know, that, that opens up an entire opportunity for these pass catchers. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Geronimo Allison, and then, of course, Jimmy Graham included. Uh, I think all three of these guys benefit. So Jimmy Graham, to me, is more of a volume play this week. The defense has been vulnerable to tight ends that actually get used. And what I mean by that is Evan Ingram, because the players they have faced uh, include Vernon Davis, who obviously didn't do much, they played Miami Dolphins, so no one does anything there. And then Jared Cook, and he's not even a part really of the New Orleans offense. So when they played Evan Ingram in week one, he went off 11 receptions, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Now, am I saying I expect Jimmy Graham to do what Evan Ingram did? No, definitely not. Evan Ingram is a physical freak and obviously a much more explosive player at this stage in his career. But Jimmy Graham, I think, could still get you six or seven catches for 70 to 80 yards and a touchdown in this game. I do like Graham a lot uh, this week. Last start of the week for you all is my Philadelphia Eagles defense taking on the New York Jets at home. Uh, This is a situation where the matchup, I think, is perfect for, for the Eagles defense. Obviously, the secondary is atrocious. They're getting burned by everyone they play. But I don't think that happens this week because, like I talked about at the top of the show, I don't think... Uh, Sam Darnold plays I think he sits another week so you're looking at Luke Falk which obviously that doesn't scare you uh, as a secondary the other piece of the puzzle of course Le'Veon Bell is on this other side of the ball and what are the Eagles elite at it's stopping the run so really to me this matchup all the the Eagles have to do is key in on Le'Veon Bell swarm him surround him put Amen in the box limit him on very short receptions. I think there's going to be a ton of three and outs in this game. I don't see how Luke Falk is able to capitalize even on a terrible Eagles secondary. So for me, you stop Le'Veon Bell, you win this game, and you have a a good fantasy game in terms of defense there uh, against the Jets. So I like Philly this week against New York. All right, everyone, I want to mention to you all just one more sponsor uh, for tonight's show. And this is a new one that I'm really excited about. This is Fantasy Go, and and maybe you've heard of these guys, maybe you haven't. They're a bit newer, but we're going to partner with them for the rest of the season, and I'm really excited to support their products. So what they do is they allow uh, fantasy analysts, myself included, to help you, the fantasy player, manage your team. So maybe you started 1-3, and maybe you're 0-4, and you're looking for a way to jumpstart your team and and make a push for the playoffs. Fantasy Go lets you do that. So when you go to fantasygo.com, if you have a Yahoo League, it automatically, once you make an account, links to Yahoo Leagues, which is really nice. It's a, a great platform. It's really user-friendly. And, and then what that does is once you, you have that set up, you go on their website, you find whatever uh, whatever analyst you want to help, you know, or help you, I should say, be able to make those changes. And what you can do is search for me, search Matthew B., you find me, you click on me, and and honestly, you hire me. So once you go there, I basically have to help you uh, set your lineup, make waiver claims, help with trades for the week. So uh, I think it's a fantastic value. I think it can really help a lot of 
uh, people out there because, you know, Okada and I, we want to try to help as many people as we can, but we just get too many either mentions or messages um, on Twitter or what have you. And this is a good way to prioritize yourself. Get in there, check it out, fantasygo.com, search for Matthew B. All right, everyone, on to the sits of the week. And these players are guys I'm not as excited about. I'm a little bit more worried about their matchup and how they're going to perform. We'll kick it off at quarterback again, as we always do. For me, it's it's Baker Mayfield going on the road against the San Francisco 49ers, who have really surprised uh, everyone, myself included, in terms of their defensive performance so far this season. They've actually looked very, very good uh, on defense, and now they get an extra week to prepare for Baker Mayfield and company and the thing that I love about this defense is they're they're making turnovers happen they're forcing interceptions week one Jameis imploded and threw three Andy Dalton uh, threw an interception when they played Mason Rudolph threw an interception so uh, certainly a turnover is in the cards here I think for San Fran the other issue here again we'll, we'll tie it back to injury as I always do Jarvis Landry in the concussion protocol I doubt he plays this week the issue there is you know the the league is getting really um, more strict with progression through the protocol, which is great for player safety. But what that results in is the vast majority of players are missing at least one week if they're in the concussion protocol. So I really don't expect Jarvis Landry to play. And then if he's out, I mean, who are the options, right? It's OBJ and who else? Rashard Higgins is still battling a knee injury. Antonio Callaway is just getting back from suspension. David Njoku is obviously still out with a wrist injury. So the receiving options there outside of OBJ are non-existent, essentially, in my opinion. And uh, I think that that helps San Fran really key in on OBJ. I think he's going to get doubled all night. I think it's going to be a terrible game for him. And if, if Baker doesn't have anyone to throw the ball to, obviously it's negative for him. This defense is only giving up 13.5 fantasy points per game to opposing quarterbacks and 7th. Uh, fewest in terms of passing yards allowed per game so uh, I think it's a situation where for Baker it's not going to really come through the air I think this team if they want to win the game has to go through Nick Chubb as they did last week so I'm off of Baker this week I've got him as a back end uh, QB2 sit him if you can on to running backs Josh Jacobs is my sit of the week here Uh, no surprise given the matchup he's going up against Chicago this game is actually in London um, so it's, it's not really a home game or an away game for anyone, but both teams travel. And the issue here for Jacobs is not only the matchup, which I'll just highlight quickly, you know, exhibit a Dalvin cook entering last week as the number one fantasy running back. He's looked amazing leading the league in rushing goes, uh, to play Chicago and was held to just 35 rush yards per game. If he hadn't scored a touchdown, he would have ruined your week. So, uh, if Dalvin cook can't do it, certainly Josh Jacobs is not going to do it. The other, uh, you know, real stinker they they had as far as putting up a, a bad performance for a running back was Aaron Jones, week one. Remember, thirty nine rush yards. So this this defense can really uh, lock in on the running back, stop the run effectively. I think it's going to be a really rough go here for Josh Jacobs. And if he's not getting it done on the ground, certainly you would hope he's going to get done through the air. But despite the positive coach speak saying that they want to get him more involved there, here's his target count. Two targets, two targets, zero targets, and one target each week of the season. Um, it's just not happening for Jacobs this week, unfortunately. I still like the player, still love the talent. Definitely um, a guy I like in Dynasty, but for this week against Chicago, keep him on your bench. Last player here, 
uh, at the wide receiver position that I'm going to sit is Terry McLaurin, who I feel like Okada and I have talked about a lot, whether it be a start of the week or a sit. He just kind of seems to fall on either side of the coin. And this week, he's better off on your bench. It's all about the matchup and the fact that this offense, as of this recording, has not named a starting quarterback for the week. Uh, It could be rookie Dwayne Haskins. It's definitely not going to be Case Keenum because he's dealing with a lingering foot issue that had him in a walking boot today at practice. So uh, typically, walking boot five days before a game is not going to result in you playing. So I think it's going to be Colt McCoy, and he hasn't played since last season when he fractured his fibula. So what are you going to get as far as a performance there? And then the other piece of the puzzle is this defense this season has looked amazing for the Patriots. I expect Terry McLaurin to see a lot of Stephon Gilmore in coverage. McLaurin only goes into the slot 17% of the time, so he's going to be on the outside, and I think that Stephon Gilmore is going to be on him the vast majority. He's only giving up, this is Stephon Gilmore, a 53.6 completion percentage on the season. Uh, Combine that with a poor quarterback play, I think it's going to be horrific uh, this week for Washington. I think they're going to get blown out. I think it's going to be rough. Uh, You don't want any part of Terry McLaurin this week. And the last piece of puzzle, again, I'll tie it back to injury as I always do. Remember, he he missed last week with that hamstring injury, which he popped up with on the injury report on Thursday. Ended up testing in pregame warm-ups and said, you know, I don't feel right. I'm just not ready. Fortunately, they made the the smart decision and sat him. So he's still in a high-risk category despite the sitting of last week. We know hamstring strains take uh, at least two weeks to really get to full strength and full health if it's a grade one or a minor injury, and that's what his is. And he's going to be looking at less than two weeks out from injury. So for me, there's a, a, a small injury concern with Terry McLaurin. Combine it with the matchup and the terrible quarterback play that's coming for him. Yeah, there's there's no way I can really uh, put him in my lineup this week. All right, everyone. Last uh, segment here tonight before we get out of here is the mailbag only two questions to get through this week so uh thank you for sending those over to us look for a tweet from us at redshirts ff pod on twitter i put it out every week we ask you for uh some questions you can also feel free to find me on twitter at the fantasy pt and of course okada is at matt okada send us your questions we want to try to help you guys win as much as possible uh so we love to love to answer your questions first one here is from at hank underscore tate one on Twitter, he says, would you trade uh, David Montgomery, Wayne Gallman, or Miles Sanders and Golden Tate for Mark Ingram? Running backs after the trade would be either Gallman or Sanders, Devonta Freeman, uh, Mark Ingram, Carlos Hyde, and Raheem Mostert. So for me, this trade really comes down to looking at uh, the two-for-one kind of option, or I guess it's really three-for-one in his case, to get Mark Ingram. You're giving up Devonta Freeman another piece in Sanders or Gallman and Golden Tate I'm not really high on Golden Tate to be honest with you so this doesn't move the needle much for me but when you're looking at getting rid of uh, Montgomery and Sanders for Ingram I think it's a trade that I honestly would probably do uh, because of the fact that Ingram has been an absolute workhorse we know this offense wants to run the ball I think people were screaming that you know Ingram's going to come down down to earth eventually. And while I think he probably will to some degree, he's still going to get at least 15 to 18 to 20 touches a game at some point this season throughout the year. So yeah, Mark Ingram for me, follow the volume. Golden Tate, I don't have much interest in. I think it's a crowded wide receiver core there now with Sterling Shepard uh, and Tate, both guys that play in the slot. It's, it's hard to see how it really works out for one of them. Then you look at 
you know, Miles Sanders, again, I love the player. Hard to see a scenario where uh, he really takes control of the backfield with the way Jordan Howard's running right now. And then David Montgomery, again, I'm excited about him, but I mean, can you trust Matt Nagy? Maybe things are trending in the right direction, but certainly not yet. So for me, this is a Mark Ingram deal. I would definitely take that side. Next question here is from uh, fantasy underscore football underscore lover. Great name on Twitter. He says, can you please pick six to start in a full PPR dynasty league? I'm struggling. His options are John Brown, Delaney Walker, T.D. Westbrook, Dante Moncrief, who we're going to throw out. He's not even active anymore. Frank Gore, Willie Sneed, Corey Davis, Michael Gallup, and Trey Quinn. So for me, this comes down to the known assets. I feel like you have to roll John Brown out. You have to roll, uh, roll out Delaney Walker and D.D. Westbrook. So those are my three that I'm definitely going to play. Outside of that, it's tough. Michael Gallup, I think he does play this week coming off of his uh, scope of his knee. But you have to ask yourself, to what degree does he play? He could play a limited snap route, snap count. So I would go with uh, with Trey Quinn, who I think has some catch-up time, garbage time opportunity in PPR against uh, the Patriots. So for those four, uh, Walker, Brown, Westbrook, Quinn, the options, the options are not great, to be honest with you, my friend. I think you have to roll Gallup out and you have to, to roll with Davis. I would not play Willie Sneed. He hasn't done much this year. Dante Moncrief is not going to be active. And Frank Gore probably is going to split work with Devin Singletary in a pretty bad matchup here this week. So those are my six. Hopefully that helps. Uh, to be honest with you, if this is my team in Dynasty, I'm going full-blown rebuild mode. Uh, sell off your your older veterans here in guys like Delaney Walker and Frank Gore and John Brown. Uh, try to get some youth and picks. That's what I would do there. Uh, fantasy underscore football underscore lover. All right, everyone, that does it for this week's episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Again, uh, we do truly apologize that Okada couldn't be here tonight, but he got some stuff going on. So, uh, you know, just me solo tonight. Sorry you had to deal with just one voice. We we do like our podcast to be fun, have some banter, be more entertainment than just fantasy football content. But hopefully this got you some hard-hitting analysis that you can use to help you dominate and win in week five. And if you're looking for more information from us, hit us up on Twitter at RedshirtsFFPod. Uh, I am at the Fantasy PT. always talking injuries. Find Okada at Matt Okada. And, of course, we've got a, a fantastic writing staff. Shout out to those guys. They are absolutely grinding this season, putting out great content at RedshirtsFantasyFootball.com. So head on over, uh, check that out. As always, uh, until next time, we are the Redshirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.